when you get to that create part, your mind is clear. You have a lot more confident and confidence. And so it's easier to think outside of the box, to think past the problem that you used to have, all that kind of stuff. Then you act on it and then you stay focused, right? So act is easy because you're just acting on the thing that you thought of that you want to do without the baggage. So you're not, you don't lose your motivation. And the focus is because life distracts. <laughs> so the fourth component of change is you got to stay focused. Hello and welcome to Outer Spaces, a podcast dedicated to empowering designers and contractors in the outdoor living space. I am on a mission to scour the globe to find and interview the most brilliant mindset coaches, sales strategists, and business leaders alive and present them in a way that landscapers, hardscapers, and outdoor living pros can immediately put them into use to grow and thrive. On Outer Spaces, we are passionate about breaking the chains of small mindsets and helping contractors just like you take control of their businesses and their lives. My name is Joshua Gillow, and through my 27 years of dirt under the nails experience, I look forward to sharing tips, strategies, and other contractor success stories here on the Outer Spaces podcast. Now, let's get on with the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Outer Spaces podcast. This is your host, Joshua Gillow, and this week I have Kyle Gillette on the podcast, and he's a, a mindset coach. He's an NLP practitioner. If you don't know what NLP is, you're going to learn here in this episode for sure. And we really get deep into patterns, thought patterns, uh, you know, identity, what you think you are, and uh, and the limiting beliefs and things like that. We're going to go deep into those things because as a business owner, it's really important for you to realize that just because you haven't done what you think you want to do, doesn't mean you can't. It just means that you haven't either gotten the skills together yet or don't believe in yourself enough to get there. And we're going to talk about those limiting beliefs and exactly how they come in and how to erase them and get them out. It's a four-step process. It's a really powerful process about how to identify and become more self-aware in order to be able to break some of those uh, limiting beliefs so you can reach the full potential that God always intended for you. So if that sounds like a, something that you want to learn more about, keep on rolling. Hey, Kyle, I'm so excited to have you on the show today. And we're going to dive into a subject. The reason why I have you on here is because you you focus and specialize in a subject that so many of us, including myself, and I know a lot of the listeners, we, we deal with this concept where we get so focused on our businesses. You, know, you call it hyper-focus in your business that you start damaging family and other relationships because of that hyper-focus. We're so afraid to lose in the business sector that we're willing to rob from our families the time and the attention to put it into that so we never have to deal with the fact that we might lose or fail. So I'd love for you to talk into that and welcome to the show. Thanks, Joshua. I'm glad to be here. I appreciate it. Absolutely, brother. So yeah, so I want to just get right into it. Just go, you know, pull the sleeves up and go right into this topic because it's something that's near and dear to my heart. I've I've made all the mistakes in that case. I've robbed from my family many times in order to make sure my businesses don't fail or make sure that I, I look good or whatever it might be. If I'm being really honest, you know, a lot of it was ego. And I realized as I'm getting older, I'm 45 now. I realized that you know that is not the right path to go. You know, my mm -hmm. I always had this deep thought like, hey, my family is always going to love me, but my clients may not. They might not hire me. They might not pay me. They might not something. So they had a higher priority on my list back in those days. And now it's like, yeah, it's not the way it works. But I'd love for you to talk into this. I know you have a lot of experience in this. And uh, yeah, so so what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, often what I'll do with my clients is figure out what is their top 20%. You know, what is if they could just focus on the things that are most important to them in their business and then dial that in as best as possible. So what is their top 20 percent? And then we call those buckets. And so they've got these buckets of of focus in their business. And and I help them to go, OK, these are the things that I focus on and only these things 
anything else that comes across my desk, across my plate that doesn't fit that, I'm going to be asking questions of those around me to get them to think about it, to resolve it instead of me doing that work, right? So I get them to figure out what that 20% is. You bring that out farther and we go, okay, what is my 20% in terms of what I really want to make sure I stay focused on in life? Because the other 80% is just going to happen. Yeah. Right. It's, it's just going to happen. It's the whirlwind of life. It's the whirlwind of business and it's just going to happen. But if we lose sight of that 20% and those, we can call them knobs, right? You, you turn the volume up on this one area, but you turn it up too loud and then you can't hear what's going on over here in this area. And right. so making sure that those life buckets are filled. And so often, I mean, you can break it down into five, six areas, but to keep it simple for today, we can say business, family and health, those three areas, right? And those are your three buckets. Mm -hmm. And how are you doing in those three buckets and making sure that they are dialed in and you have a checkpoint, you have some accountability for yourself and some people around you to help you with that. So I would say that's a really great point or place to start as it relates to creating that, making sure your knobs are dialed. Yeah, I, I've instituted over the years, I've heard this somewhere and I've just pulled it into my heart. It's this concept of the four Fs, right? Faith, family, fitness, and finance. And and doing those very similar to what you're talking about, right? And making sure each day that I'm focusing on them and not allowing one to become way too overpowering. I mean, you can never really have too much faith, but I mean, the point is that, you know, that you're, you're, you're either the fitness side or the business side, you know, the finance side doesn't overpower everything else. And it's just keeping it awareness of what, how you're spending your time and what you're prioritizing. That's what I love about what you're saying, because it's about the prioritization and being purposeful in that prioritization. So um, how do you find that you're, um, that the you know people that engage your services how that how do they finally become aware of this and start taking track of all these of these buckets you talk about how do they start to re uh, structure their lives in order to be more purposeful in that yeah my process is blue and it's, it's the shirt color it's the the name of the the framework and if you, if you think about leadership we're leading in any area of life we're leading right now in this conversation because people are listening. And so we're leading, right? We're influencing them. And so I use a metaphor of a leadership house. And if you think about a house, every house needs to have a foundation. If it doesn't, obviously we're going to have trouble. So that foundation is the be in blue, which is to be a self-aware leader. So if the stronger your self-awareness is, or the more self-aware you are, the better your foundation of leadership is, the more you know who you are and who you need to be in every area of life. Yeah. Then the L is lead with accountability. And that's that's the the nails and the hammer of of that home. Without the nails, you that home's gonna fall apart. That leadership is gonna crumble and people get hurt, like you're saying at the beginning. Mm -hmm. If I'm so focused on this area of life, it starts to hurt my family. Or I'm so focused on this area of life, like my health, then other areas suffer because I'm not giving it enough attention. And so that leading with accountability in those areas keeps you on track. And then you use a growth mindset, which is the you in blue, and that's the walls and the roof. So this is where, as you grow, you adjust your home, right? You, it, when you live in your home for a while, you paint the walls, you have to replace this, this piece of furniture or the washer breaks or whatever it is. We're making those adjustments as we lead and as we grow. And it's the same thing in our leadership in all areas. And then lastly, we empower others. And that's the windows and doors of your leadership. So you're looking at this opportunity for people to see into how you lead and they're watching you. That could be your family. That could be your friends. And of course it's your employees as well. And so they're watching, they're paying yeah. attention and they're deciding, do I still want to be underneath this leadership 
Or if they're watching from the outside in, they're going, hmm, that looks like a good place to be. I want to be under that leadership. Let me knock on that door and see if I can partake in some way, shape or form. And again, that could be a, fr a friend that just pops up out of nowhere. Uh, it could be somewhere in your faith journey. It could be obviously in your business as well. So that's that's the bigger picture of how I'm working with my clients. No, oh, I love that. And so could you tell us how you came across this? Is this something that you you know bought into or is this something you figured out in life? Like how did you come up with this concept and, and how have you actualized it in your life? I would I would say when I was working at a men's mentoring program, the the guy that led it had had been there for like 15 years prior. And he brought me in to be what's called a house leader in the program. And you lived in this house with these guys that are 18 to 25. It's a faith-based program. They were very off track in life and struggling in a lot of areas. And so embedded into me was three fundamental questions. Where am I? Where do I want to go? And how do I get there? And so I'm in this program going into it 30 pounds overweight myself. Like I'm leading these guys, but I'm a mess. Just graduated college, terrified of adulthood. And I'm, I'm going into this program. And so I had to learn fast. I had to lose the weight fast. I had to be the example fast. And I did it with the help of that mentorship. Mm -hmm. And in that process, it became clear to me unconsciously that, oh, wait, self-awareness is really important here. My boss slash mentor was keeping me accountable. All these guys and including myself, we were growing. And then in the process, learning how to empower others around us. And so I woke up one morning, like 15 years later, ready to, to hit the day because I heard a voice. I think it was God say to me, self-awareness. And that, that was the moment I had been working on in my business where I wanted to have some sort of a tool that I could use myself. And that word is what triggered everything to come together into blue. And so I spent the next four hours as I wandered into my kitchen, shivering in my boxers at the kitchen table from four to 7 a.m., just mm -hmm. scribbling everything, anything I could think of down from my books I've read, my experiences I've had. And since then, it's shaped up to be a lot more with a lot more depth to it as well. I love that, dude. That story is just awesome. I mean, I've already woken up in the morning with God <laughs> speaking in my ear, and he's like, trust your intuition. <laughs> I was like, I had big decisions to make, and he just whispered to me. And I woke up, I'm like, yes, sir. <laughs> and off I went, right? <laughs> this is cool. It's there, but that's awareness, right? It's awareness of allowing that to speak through and not be blocking it out. So I'd love for you to talk a little bit about, if, if I'm somebody out here, and I was this guy for the longest time, listeners, but um, if I'm a guy out there that has a tough time with self-awareness, like either A, I'm scared of who I truly am, or um, I just am not really that self-aware. I just kind of do what I've always done, and I'm not really you know, privy to, to other ideas. Like how, do, how do we as men become more self-aware? Yeah. So in my book right now, leadership, I talk about the five habits and five mindsets of a self-aware leader. And I'll mention three of them to you. So the first one is the most esoteric, I, I guess you could say, which is trust in your intuition, which is what you were just sharing. And that's vague, right? Well, what does that even mean? And so the way I describe it is when you experience this moment of, the voice that's outside of you, or you feel it in your heart, or you feel it in your gut, or wherever you experience that moment where you're like, this is what I need to do. Yes. Take note of it. Figure out where are you experiencing that clarity in your body or just outside your body is what I've learned about other people, how they experience it. For me, it's just outside my head. It's like a thought that's not my own that comes to me. I mm. 
couldn't tell you why it's that, but that's what it is. <laughs> Other people, it's in their gut. It's in their heart. Maybe for someone, it's in their foot. I don't know. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Figure out where it, where it is so you can tune into it so that you yep. know the moment that that intuition hits you, you know that's what it is, yep. and then you can trust it. Right. And in me, often I think it's God talking to me. And so I just roll with it because I'm trusting that it hasn't let me down. Yep. Uh, so the first thing would be intuition. The second is a little bit, you know, more detailed, but easy to do. And you can do it on your phone. You can do it with your voice or you can do it with pen or paper. Right. And that's journal, just journal, because when we are in our heads, Right. I talk about people being stressed out, overwhelmed and stuck. I, I call it the island, the island scenario where you feel like you're on an island. You're dragging the driftwood around, creating this SOS sign on the ground so you can get rescued, stressed out, overwhelmed and stuck. Right. But what you can do on your own is just journal. And it goes from two dimensional thinking where you're hearing your voice in your head. You're thinking about what's being said to yourself and you're just back and forth, back and forth. But when you write it down and then you look at it, it's this disassociated view, which is really important to solve problems. We have to disassociate from them. Right. Then you can look at it and go, oh, wait a second. This isn't near as big a deal. Or wow, this is a big deal. Or this is a great opportunity or whatever. And then the third very, very practical way is to ask yourself five questions. Pick whatever the problem is, whatever the very specific trouble is, and ask, what should I do more of? What should I do less of? What should I start doing? What should I stop doing? And what should I keep doing? I do that every single Saturday. I pick a very specific topic and I work through that topic, asking myself those five questions. And I've been doing it for almost four years now. And it's the level of self-awareness that brings, especially when you integrate all three is huge. So a yeah. little bit of a long answer, but those are, those are three very practical ways that you can create self-awareness. I love that. And even that you've included the concept of journaling and I'm not someone who likes to write I'm actually kind of lazy in that department and I know that. So it's like, all right, well, sometimes I just force myself to do it and I'm not a, I'm not a journaler that, you know, does it every single day. But I also know that's another way to do that. You, you know, most phones and most uh, computers now you can dictate to, right? And yep. you can talk through it and, or you put your video camera up to your face on your phone and just start talking and yep. then watch that. And you're like, wait a minute, did I just say that? Like if you're having a moment, you just have it and you like, can, can want to watch yourself go through that. And that helps with that self-awareness as well. And you know, especially as men, we're, we're taught to be strong, we're taught to not show emotion, we're taught all those things. But unfortunately, that's not the, the human experience that we all kind of find ourselves in, right? And the more we suck it down, the more we try to push that down into us, the more it bottles up and becomes uh, explosive, right? It yeah. can lead to a lot of rage and anger, it can lead to a lot of shame and fear and all that stuff. So if we can have a space to talk about it, have a way to unleash it, have a way to... Uh, realize it and actualize it. It helps us stay more healthy inside as men. Yeah. In my coaching practice, I call that baggage. And it's, it's the first component of the change process. It's like recognizing that baggage and then being able to do something with it. So yeah. uh, baggage sucks and it's heavy. And most of the time we don't realize that we continually add to it. Uh, there is, there is ways to figure out that you are adding to it. And that's part of what I do with my clients, but um, it's true. We carry that baggage and then it weighs us down and limits what we even think is possible for ourselves, not to mention actually limiting what's possible for us. I know exactly, dude. Love it. So, Hey, before we get going further on, how did you get into this dude? Like, where did you find yourself? Did you just wake up one day at three years old and say, I'm going to do this for a living? Or is this <laughs> something that kind of built over time? Like tell us, you know, a quick version of your story here and we're going to jump into NLP next. 
Sure. So I grew up on an orange farm in the Central Valley of California. And I did, I worked for my dad from seventh grade through high school. And it, my dad's a great boss. It was, it was good experiences. It wasn't great experiences. It wasn't like, you know, terrible by any means, but it wasn't for me. Uh, I didn't like the hundred and something degree heat in the middle of, in the middle of summer, pruning orange trees and changing foggers and driving around a quad. That part was cool, but everything else wasn't <laughs> the greatest. So I went to college to be a business major, didn't get accepted under that, changed to kinesiology. I fell in love with like personal training and all that world, but then realized that it wasn't the perfect fit for me after I did that men's mentoring program. That opened my eyes to like, I really love to serve people, which was still personal training, yeah. uh, which I got to do a random business for a year and a half doing that, which was great but it wasn't deep enough for me. Like I want transformation in the work that I do with my clients. I don't want little shifts. I want transformation. And over the course of the last six years in my business, that's the work that I've been doing is figuring out how to do that. Uh, prior to that, I did a little bit of fussing around with life coaching and, and online personal training and then did some HR work. But I was always getting drawn to this coaching world and the, the depth of it. And so when I, when I quit my HR job after <laughs> I did a, I did a disc training mm -hmm. for a, for a petroleum engineering company, company, excuse me. And it was a miserable disaster. I, I sat in this boardroom with three other executives. And by the time the presentation was over, I was covered in sweat. I, I was like drenched in the armpits and it, it was a terrible experience. But I remember walking out with the VP to my car and he shook my hand. He's like, good job. I'm like, BS, but that's okay. You know, <laughs> whatever. I get in my car and I'm like, you know what? That was terrible, but I loved it. Yeah. And so that was for me the moment when I went, okay, if they got something out of that trash, I know that I can do so much more when I actually shape this up to be good and I can yeah. individually work with these folks. And so that was that disaster moment of commitment for me. Why do you think transformations in other people's lives is so important to you, Kyle? Because I experienced it. I experienced it when I was 16 in a really profound way uh, when I found God and it, he shifted my life dramatically. And then I watched it happen in the lives of other people where they got transformed in ways is just absolutely beautiful by their own decisions that they made shifting from drugs and alcohol to a life of like sobriety and a life of commitment and service to other people instead of selfishness. And I'm not saying that business owners are like that, that they're selfish or anything. Some of us are, I mean, from time to time, that's for sure. For me, I got an ego, but often we're blinded as business owners to how much what we do impacts those around us. And, and I believe that business owners are the, the people that change this world, shape this world, small business owners in particular, more than anyone else when it comes to individual life change. I recognize that Apple has changed the world in huge ways, of course, right? And Microsoft and those giant companies, but the small business owner is the one that has that relationship with the person that's been working with them for five years and has provided an opportunity for their kids to go to college because they're helping to pay a salary that creates the income so that their children can go to college. That's life changing. That's generational changing. But if that business owner gets all screwed up and stressed out, overwhelmed and stressed and stuck, then what happens? Their whole family suffers. So if I can transform that part of their life, I'm transforming and helping them transform generations forward, right? Because stressed men, broken men break things. 
And Mm. that's not what I want. Yeah. (laughs) So I want to help them not do that. It's incredible, dude. That's quite the mission because unfortunately about 90 plus percent of the violent crimes that happen in the world happen at the hands of men. Yeah. And so much of that's anger and rage that's pent up inside and there's no way to let it out. Right. So to have a space like you had talked about when you were younger um, or any of these coaching programs to allow for men to have that opportunity to face some of their fears and to let go of that anger and rage inside is, is paramount. Right. Because now we can show up as better fathers, as better husbands, as better leaders, as better, you know, God serving men. So, um, yeah, it's really cool. And it's amazing that you that you found God at such a young age, man. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I can I can give you the the detailed story. I won't take too long, but I'll give you the detailed story because um so I, it was a Me- uh, Mexico missions trip and nice. my church was had had a plan every spring they were going and at the time I had a had a girlfriend and I wanted to go to Mexico to make out with my girlfriend. That was the stated <laughs> reason in my head, my heart. Like that was it. That was why I want to go make out with Melissa in Mexico, right? That was that was the deal. Well, <laughs> God had other plans. He said, nope, she ain't going, but you are. So she didn't go, which is perfect in retrospect, of course. And I ended up going. And every night there was this, there was this band of, I think it was three people. It's been a while, maybe four. But anyway, it was, you know, this band that played the same seven songs, I think. They only knew seven songs or they only played seven songs. And I was a baby in terms of like growing in my understanding of who God is. But I did know that I needed, I needed forgiveness. And I did know that I had made a lot of mistakes in my life and I was in, in sin, right? I was missing the mark that he has for us. Yes. And so every night we would do worship and I would, I would be praying. I'd say, God, forgive me for my sins. Forgive me for my sins. Forgive me for my sins. I just pray it over and over and over again. And then we, every night I did that and nothing seemed to happen. I didn't, didn't really understand. There was a component that I was missing. And on the, the last day, it might've been a Friday, the last day I said, okay, God, this is your last chance to forgive me. <laughs> <laughs> like that's like, how it works, right? What is that? Yeah, that's how it works. Um, <laughs> On my and turn. so the band is playing the songs, I'm singing them, and I'm really, you know, kind of getting into the experience and into the moment. And then the leader of the band says, Hey, I want everybody to be quiet and just listen to God. And so everybody's quiet, and a couple people kneel. So I'm like, Okay, I'll kneel too. So I kneel down on the ground. And this room is the size of like a most, you know, most classrooms, we can think of the size of a classroom. Think of it twice the size of a regular school classroom. Mm-hmm. But about a half of it was covered in a blue wrestling mat. I do not know why there was a blue wrestling mat in this space, but there was. And so I remember kneeling down on that blue wrestling mat, looking down and hearing just nothing and, and praying though over and over, God forgive me for my sins, etc. And then someone screams out, Jesus, like this. And then that happens and I hear... You are forgiven, except the forgiveness. And so it clicked and I went, oh, and so I accept and I'm like, thank you, accepted the forgiveness. And then that means I need to turn from my ways. And then the next half hour, I'm a puddle of tears and just a wreck, you know, snot and all this because I was, <laughs> I was, I was a wreck in my life at that time. And, and so it was, it was very, it broke me pretty significantly because I realized, you know, to use a Christian word, how wretched I was. And that was, that was a, that was transformation period. Like that was the biggest transformation I've ever experienced, of course. So, yep. That's the, that's a little bit of the shortened version of the story. I love it. I love it, dude. And when you're baptized by the Holy Spirit, there's just no other thing like it, right? (laughs) When it hits you, there's, yeah. 
Powerful, dude. Powerful. So um, I like to keep moving on here with NLP, right? Some of the listeners maybe never have heard of NLP. I'd love for you to talk a little bit about what it is, how it was introduced in your life, and how it helps you help people. Yeah. So NLP stands for Neuro Linguistic Programming. So neuro being your brain, linguistic being words, and then programming, think of it like uh, an app that's in your brain or a program that's in your brain. And what's beautiful about what's been discovered about NLP is that it's taking, it's really taking Romans 12, one and two and saying, you can take your thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. Or if you're not a Christian, you can take your thoughts captive and have way more control over your habits and your mindsets than what most people would say is possible. And it can be done really quickly. And it's done through the power of your language, what you say to yourself, and mm -hmm. also through some techniques that shift the, the way your brain is wired about a particular topic, about a particular struggle. So, I got introduced to this probably about a year ago. And I just saw people that were coaches that were using this tool. I never experienced it with someone actually. It was like people know about it and they and they use it, but not to the depth of the way that I use it now. Mm -hmm. uh, but they use the language of it, right? They're pre-framing things and they're using language that's encouraging to move forward, sales language, all, all that kind of stuff. But what I've discovered about NLP is it it works. Yeah. <laughs> that's the that's the thing that I was really skeptical about. And I went to a I went to a four day, 40 hour training and I was like, wow, this stuff works. I mean, the the first experience I had of it was that showed me it's kind of a little silly thing, but it showed me how powerful it is. Someone did this little technique on me where they where I I wanted to stop eating chocolate chip chocolate chips. And so every time I took a break at work, I would go downstairs, go into the cupboard, open the cupboard and grab a handful of chocolate chips and just chow down on them. Not, mm. not great. I wanted to stop it, wanted to get over it. And so we did this little technique and until I got home, I didn't know if it worked or not, but basically that was, that was in April, I think. And I haven't touched, I haven't grabbed a handful of chocolate chips since. And it's, so it's what, 10 months since or yeah, eight yeah. months since then. And so that was a, an eye opener for me. Just that process took literally five minutes. And, and it how long have you been eating uh, chocolate chips before that experience? Since I was, so this is so embedded in me. I would get home from elementary school. My mom would be making chocolate chip cookies okay. and I would just dig into the batter and eat the chocolate chips like that. Yeah, yeah. So this is, you know, since I was a child and it was taken wow. away in 10 minutes because I wanted it to be, sure. right? It wasn't forced and it can't be forced, but it was, I let it go. In 10 minutes, five minutes, whatever the time was. And I still haven't, it hasn't come back. That's so awesome. that was a convincer for me. And I went, yeah, okay, yeah. that's pretty cool. And I saw a bunch of other amazing things. And then I went and did a 150 hour training about four months later that I wrapped up in November. And now it's fully integrated into the coaching that I do with my clients. And it's yeah. really powerful and amazing. It, I mean, NLP is absolutely so powerful and amazing, you know, and if leadership is boiled down to one word, which is influence, yeah. Wouldn't you want to be the most influential person and not some way malicious or trying to to take you know control or, to, or do anything uh, negative for people, but it's more about understanding how the mind works so you can help them at the highest level, right? So NLP is just such a powerful, powerful tool in that. I mean, I've seen it many times in the Tony Robbins organization and other coaching structures around, you know, there's people that are just masters at this and it's yeah. not manipulation. It's simply a better way to, to get into someone's world and help them just like you with the, the chocolate chips, right? Yep. To be able to say, look, this was a pattern because so often as humans, we think that we're kind of 
we were made this way. This is how it's always going to be. I'm just, I've always been someone who ate chocolate chips. I'm always someone who's been overweight. I've always been someone who hated running. I've always been like, I'm always been, it's this pattern that we run that we're, we just can't break that pattern. It's an unsolvable problem, right? Yeah. And there's no way around it. And what we don't realize and what I didn't realize until I started on this, this journey of, of self-discovery is that all of those things, most, if not all of those things are patterns. 100%. Patterns, the program, exactly, right? They're programs we've been running just like an app on your phone that you've been running over and over and over again. And until we see it for what it is, an app or a program, and that it's not us, it's a program that we are running. We're the iPhone, that's the app, right? We can say, wait, wait a minute here. So I can just erase that app or I can rewrite that app or I can stop eating the chocolate chips and I can eat salad instead. Yes, all of that's possible, but awareness, that's why it was so important to start with that. Like the whole concept of being personally aware, those are the things first you need to grab. Once you have awareness and you say, okay, I'm not broken. There's nothing wrong with me. God doesn't make mistakes. I've just been stuck in a bunch of patterns I either got from my family or I got from my environment, I got from my school, I got from my church, whatever it might be, an environmental thing. Once you start becoming aware of those things, you say, wait a minute here, this isn't something that's wrong with me. This is a pattern that I need to find and interrupt. Scratch that record, right? Scratch it and put something else in its place. So I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about that because I know this is a core of what your coaching program is about. Yeah. So ultimately, NLP is about change and and helping people to make change that's permanent. And I think it's important to describe what the process of change is. So simply put, there's four steps to it. There's four requisites for change. And when when I'm working with my clients, the work that we pair up on is the first two steps. And then the last two steps are things that they do the lion's share of the work and I help keep them accountable, which is mm -hmm. step two in the blue framework. So the first requisite for change is, is to release. And what does release mean? Well, it means to release the negative emotions, the limiting beliefs, the self-sabotage, the doubts, the misaligned values, the parts of you that wants this and the other part of you that wants that. When you do that, now you can think and create from clarity, from a place of clarity and, and a heck of a lot more confidently as well. So for me, I work with my clients to do that first step and we get, we release everything and anything in one particular area of life. So for someone that I, someone I just recently worked with, she wanted to focus on career. So we spent seven hours, we spent seven hours working through that area, doing a deep dive on what's messed up, what's what's not working well. Then we let it all go in the, in the three hour session after the first three hour session. And now she's completely free from that and released from that. And it sounds a little nuts, but we're talking about some broken stuff in the home. We're talking about a divorce. We're talking about a lot of things in her life that she was able to completely let go of and not be attached to the emotions of it. So it's not forgetting these things, but it's kind of in a way forgiving these things, right? So you forgive them, but you don't forget them so that you keep all the things that you've learned about those things, but not the emotions. And the emotions are the things that disrupt and screw up the way that you face future circumstances. So the release is about letting go of the baggage and having a way to get out of this room, right? You're in this room that's just full of baggage. That's a, that's a disaster, that's a mess. Your program has just filled this room with all kinds of baggage. And as you release it, you're moving it out of the way so you can see the exit and get out of there. And the other beauty of the release step is most people don't recognize when they pick up another piece of baggage. You know, it could be a five pound piece. It could be a 50 pound, but because they're carrying a thousand pounds of baggage in this area of life, they do not recognize it. Yeah. 
But once you let go of all that, all of a sudden, when someone tries to toss 20 pound bag on you, you notice and you're like, that is not mine. I ain't carrying that trash. There's no yeah. way. And so yeah. it's so much easier to let go of the things that aren't for you to carry. So that's the release step, which is the, the deepest, the hardest, and the first, and also the most important. From there, then you go to create. So the second requisite is to create. Very simple. Who do you want to be? It's first about being, and then what do you want to do to achieve that? And then are you going to be okay with accepting that? I struggle with that personally. I have a hard time having, accepting the things that I want and receiving the opportunities. That's really hard for me. And so when you get to that create part, your mind is clear. You have a lot more confident and confidence. And so it's easier to think outside of the box, to think past the problem that you used to have, all that kind of stuff. Then you act on it. And then you stay focused, right? So act is easy because you're just acting on the thing that you thought of that you want to do without the baggage. So you're not, you don't lose your motivation. And the focus is because life distracts. (laughs) So the fourth component of change is you got to stay focused. So those are your, those are your four steps. And um, it is, it's been beautiful to watch people, especially on that first step, just the, the unbelievable breakthroughs in, in those conversations are just beautiful to watch. It is so incredible. I've been blessed as well to be able to be part of, you know, men's organizations and and co-ed organizations where we just see the release of those pent up uh, emotions that, again, people felt like they were unsolvable problems that once they walk through processes, next thing you know, they could let them go. And that burden, that 20,000 pound boulder on their shoulder, on their back is released. And it's, you just see the lightness and the freeness that comes to their soul. And it's such a beautiful thing to see. So if you're open to it, um, could you take us through some of the release part? I'm not expecting you to give all your secret sauce up here, but some kind of yeah. you know part of this release part for listeners that they might be able to uh, integrate into their day just to, just to try this out. Is that possible? Sure. Yeah. So I'm a master certified mental and emotional release uh, practitioner. And what, what that is, is it's the concept is very, it's very simple. It's very elegant. And it's that you can't have feelings in the future. You can't have emotions in the future. It's not possible. We can only have emotions in the present. You can think about something in the future and then, but, but do you only have the emotions right now about that thing? You can think about something in the past that has emotions tied to it, but you're only having the emotions now, right? So this is the fundamental core of this process working. You can only have emotions in the present. So then what that means is your brain knows I can't have these emotions in the future. So then it has to let them go when you put those emotions in front of you. How do you put those emotions in front of you? You take the event. So Joshua, what's a specific event, maybe not so vulnerable, (laughs) but what's a specific event that you've experienced that was kind of hard that you have emotions tied to still? Well, some for me was more the topic of our conversation here where I was so focused on business that I was ignoring my family because I honestly thought I was doing everything for them. And when I realized that I wasn't, I realized that I was, you know, doing it a lot for my ego, it broke me, right? So that was, that was a struggle was just constantly making sure the business didn't fail because I don't want to look like a failure. Yeah. Okay. So you take whatever that emotion is and you go to the root cause, right? You go to the initial reason that emotion exists, which doesn't necessarily mean it's the specific situation you're talking about. So whatever the emotion is that you experienced in that then you go to the root cause of that specific emotion. The first time you ever experienced that. Sometimes it might mean it's like 
back in before you're even born, like because it's, let's say it's anger and there's anger generations back that's impacting you because it's part of your family, just like alcoholism affects generations forward. Same thing here with, with anger, right? Or sadness or all kinds of, you know, kind of core emotions. So then what you do is you get behind that experience, metaphorically speaking, in your mind, you're looking back at that experience, you get behind it, above it, so you're so you are disassociated. So it's like you're watching a movie of that experience. So you're not so attached to it, which is already helping your unconscious to let go of the emotions of it. You're looking down on that experience, you see it and you ask your unconscious mind or ask God or both or however it works for people. What am I to learn from this? So that I can let go of it. Because that's what your unconscious mind is doing. It's saying, hey, this stuff, this baggage back here, I want you to learn something from it. Because it's it's about preserving memories, but it's also about protecting you. And so it only brings them up, those memories, those negatives, when your unconscious knows you're going to be okay to deal with it. So that it comes up, you're behind it and before it, so the emotions are in your future. Your brain says, I can't have emotions in the future, so I got to let them go. It lets them go. And then... You come into, you experience the event associated as if it's happening again. And people, what happens is they realize that they don't have the emotions about that event anymore. They're, le- they're able to let it go. And then since it's the very first one, you can you can go forward in your timeline and let them all go as it relates to that specific emotion or that specific limiting belief. And this takes 10 minutes or less to do for a, one, for a particular emotion. And it's uh, it's unreal how how it unlocks people. And one more quick comment, the studies behind mental and emotional release. So the, the originator of it is a guy by the name of Dr. Matt James. And he, he created the process with his dad. Then he did his dissertation on it. And they took, I think the numbers up to a thousand. Now they took a thousand people with PTSD through the process 10 years ago. It's now obviously 10 years later and not a single one of them have had any, any symptoms symptoms of PTSD after one treatment in this process. Wow. Yeah. So it's, it's amazing. And it's just leveraging how your brain works. That's all. It's not voodoo. It's not magic. It's just using how your brain works. And it, and so I do this with my clients. I walk them through this in a particular area of life to help them let go of all that stuff so they can excel and up level in all the other areas as well. And I never realized how much baggage I carried you know, until I was about 35 or 40, started my journey, right? Right in that age range and the midlife, right? You start asking bigger questions. (laughs) And uh, the next thing you know, I started, you know, working a lot with Tony Robbins and and other organizations. And the next thing you know, I'm starting this, the awareness is starting to open up. Like my eyes are finally starting to open up on my own personal journey and and my limitations and and this uh, empowering beliefs and all that stuff. And like, wait, that's, where did I ever come up with the belief that I don't think I'm enough or that I need to constantly be achieving in order to be loved? Like, where do they come from? And then to your point, we start doing practices where we start looking back at it from the outside, from a 30,000 foot view back into life. And you're like, that doesn't make any sense. And then you finally can interrupt that pattern, right? You're like, wait a minute here, this doesn't make any sense. So listeners out there, this might've seemed like it's going on a really weird tangent, (laughs) but I'll tell you right now, Kyle is absolutely spot on when it comes to how to interrupt those patterns, how to scratch those old records so that you can start seeing it for what it truly is, because you can only live in the present moment. Your mind makes up the past and it makes up the future. And most of the time, it's not pleasant. It wants to keep you safe. Your amygdala wants to keep you safe. 
So it says, all right, well, the future is going to suck and the past was kind of painful. So we're just kind of here now, but it doesn't really give you much of a, a want to go forward. And if you really think, you know, the future is going to be amazing, that's great. It's just a little bit of time, you're going to start seeing some fear kick in, right? Because it's always about that, trying to keep you safe, keep you off the edge of the cliff. But all the good stuff is out at the edge, right? All the stuff we really want to push ourselves and to grow is in areas that we don't know that there's fear in, right? Growing a business, going out there, finding new clients, being in a sales position and constantly battling, feeling like you're going to be rejected by a client. You know, that's such a huge battle of inside your mind thinking like, wait a minute, if I go out and they say no to me, I'm going to feel like crap again. So I don't even want to go out and sell. I don't want to start this new initiative because I'm afraid of what it's going to feel like if I fail. But so to Kyle's point, like, okay, how do we rewire that? Yeah. How do we take that, that emotion and how do we rewire that? I'd love for if you could hit on that for a second. Yeah. I mean, that's all languaging right there. Everything you said, if people are resonating with what you're saying about, you know, the future of your business, your own future, your family, whatever, uh, I want you to observe your language, right? The way that you say things to yourself then creates your future. The, I want to give you a metaphor to help explain in more, a little bit more, just metaphor to help help explain it. So every second, we are experiencing 2 million bits of information. Our brain is, is experiencing 2 million bits of information. Joshua, did you, have you ever gone somewhere where they have uh, uh, write your name on a grain of rice? Have you ever seen that? I've heard of that, yeah. I've yeah, never done so, that, yeah. So they do. They actually somehow get your name on a grain of rice, which is incredible to me. But what I want you to imagine is every second, 2 million grains of rice are falling around you. And every one of them has a little bit of information on it. It could be that that grass looks green. It could be that this room is cold. It could be that what I'm seeing in front of me, how you hear my voice, whatever it is, there's just 2 million bits of information every second. Your brain's job is to filter it. That's, that's it. And then it presents to you whatever it presents to you. And so the problem with all that is if we don't help control what it presents to us by our programming, then if I, if I think that I'm going to have a bad experience with you on this podcast, that's what my brain's going to present to me over and over again to prove yeah. myself to be right because the brain can't be a liar. And so it has to prove to me that it's right about that this is going to be a bad experience. So instead, what we need to do is reach our hand in there metaphorically and grab out the 126 bits because that's all we can do, 126 pieces of rice, and grab the ones that we want to grab. So I want to have a great experience on this podcast. I want to be really positive and encouraging to the listeners. I want to provide something practical and helpful for them. So I'm going to project that out to my unconscious, grab that information, which is going to impact you because I'm getting it prepared in my head. And then that's going to adjust how you do things because of the energy that I'm bringing into it and the attitude I'm bringing to it. The cool thing is to answer your question directly, you can do this with your future, right? So I can think about what I want to experience on that sales call, what I want to experience with my conversation with my spouse, my child, my employee. And I can go to that experience out into the quote unquote future and create a reality. Because again, you have 2 million bits of information and all your brain does is present an interpretation of that. So I'm going to pre-interpret what's coming to my future and create something that I want it to be a great sales conversation, a great podcast interview, a great conversation with my spouse, a great date with her, whatever. And then experience that event as if there was a very successful completion of it and experience it as if it's real. Because all we're doing is interpreting anyway what we see, right? Our brain is taking it in and interpreting it. So let's just do that in the future 
And then our mind doesn't know the difference between this future I created that's detailed and specific versus the the future I, or the present, excuse me, I'm in right now. So then my brain goes, wait a second, I'm here experiencing this, but you put this out here. I need to go get that out there. Mm -hmm. Last comment, because when you, when you set goals, our brain is the, our, um, excuse me, our conscious is the, the, why am I stumbling with this? Our conscious mind is the goal setter and our unconscious mind is the goal getter. And so let's set that goal and then our unconscious will go get it. I love that, dude. And you're so right. It, like people talk a lot about vision boards and all this stuff, right? And and it's 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 pre-framing what you want the future to be, right? You yep. have the choice of just kind of letting it happen to you or you can start thinking like, you know what? I'm going to go into that sales call today and I'm going to give it all I got, Kyle. I'm going to just give them all the value I possibly can. I don't, I'm not going to stress about it. It's going to be good. You might still be nervous. That might still happen. You might still have an employee to have a really hard conversation with. And instead of going like, oh my God, it's going to fail. I'm going to blow up. I'm going to do. What if you just stopped and said, I see myself and that person winning too. We both win. Yep. We're both going to win this situation. We're both going to grow. We're both going to move on from this in some way. And I trust that to be the case. And going in with that mentality versus, oh, this is going to suck. They're going to yell. They're going to cry. They're going to scream. I'm going to feel horrible. I got to come home and talk to my wife. The kids are like, you start doing that and you can create that too. So our mind has the capacity in that future context to pave it the way we want it to be. And it's not always going to follow exactly the way you think it's going to be, but it's certainly a hell of a lot better than going into that thinking you're going to fail. Yeah. Can I give a personal example of that? Please. So my, my youngest is seven and in the end of last school year, she was a rascal at school and at home. Okay. <laughs> she, she just was. And partially because of me, partially because of my wife and partially because of her, but it was creating a lot of problems. She went to the principal's office multiple times at the end of the school year. And she would, she would be either yelling or like refusing to be obedient and just ugly. Ugly, ugly. Mm -hmm. And so we tried to do all kinds of different things and it, nothing really worked. Long story short, I went into my head and I said, I need to have a different interaction with my daughter. I need to have a better experience with her. And I need to frame that up in my own mind. And so I started to frame a much better experience with my daughter. Prior to doing that, she, we, she would be slamming doors, screaming, I hate you, like just awful, awful stuff. And it was, it was really beating me up. And I started to get pretty bitter and really frustrated and angry at her myself. And so I had to let go of all that. I had to release all that to create the future that I wanted, right? And then I had to act on it and make sure to stay focused on it, the whole four-step process. So that I did that. Familiar. Yeah, it sounds familiar. <laughs> so I did that first in my mind. But what was amazing is I did it when I wasn't even home. I was gone for a four-day trip and I did that work in my mind and I came home and we started. I started having conversations with my daughter and for the first time in like a couple months, she told me that she loved me without me telling her first. Hmm. She had, she would tell me that, but I would have to be the one that would like elicit the words from her. This time she would just say it herself. And that was remarkable because we hadn't done any work with her. I hadn't done any work with her personally in that regard. I had just done it in my own mind and set the new frame. I'd started to grab 126 bits that I wanted to see happen, which hmm. for a seven-year-old, I'm making a huge impact on her with my attitude, my body language. They, she catches all of that, man. Her unconscious, yeah. she's catching 2 million bits. She's seeing that. So I yeah. show up different. She shows up different. And now she chases me out of the house to make sure she tells me that she loves me. <laughs> I love it.
And this was going from someone telling me consistently that she hates me, right? Yeah, That's yeah, yeah. remarkable. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I mean, it, it is amazing how powerful that truly is. And I love that you're even drinking the Kool-Aid as well with you know, <laughs> your, your, your four-step process. It's not like just something you're trying to tell other people what to do, but you actually implement it because you're right. Once you can release it, you can start creating it. You got to act upon it in order to get focus, you know, and that's just such a beautiful way to lay that out. So, um, Kyle, so if people are listening and they're like, man, I'd really like somebody in my life that can help me do this. How would it work to work with you? Yeah. So easiest way to reach me is blueshirtcoaching.com. And the way that I work with my clients is I have a, I have a membership that people can be a part of. Uh, it's for Christian men in business. Mm -hmm. And then I also have just generally people can work with me in one-to-one. And the goal is what is going on in your business or your life that you want to make these shifts, make these changes, because yeah. my, the vision that I was given is to help thousands of business owners shift their mindsets and habits so God can transform their hearts. And, and for someone that isn't a Christian, it's about becoming the leader you're meant to be, right? Yeah. That's the, the other side of it for them. And so I walk them through this process of change. I walk them through that that breakthrough session, and then we do follow up coaching for three to six months to even a year, depending on what what they want to work on. And um, e again, easiest way to connect with me is blueshirtcoaching.com. I love it, dude, and I love your mission. You know, and we share missions in that sense of helping men just uh, you know find their leadership, find their power, find their their ability to serve because we're we're really here in God's image and as servant leaders, right? And once we can divorce the ego and realize that it's not about us, it's never been, and start to focus on a bigger uh, transcendent cause that everything changes, right? And that's that's really where you start to feel that freedom. You start to feel that that real uh, passion and and focus on what your purpose is here in the world. So I uh, appreciate you coming on, Kyle. Is there any last words you want to drop before we roll out? Yeah, I would say take the time to reflect. You know, self-awareness comes in silence most of the times. Yeah. You know, and and diving into that new self awareness requires being quiet. Throw away that phone, leave it upstairs. You know, leave it in your office. Whatever you need to do, but stay undistracted so you can hear your intuition. You can hear God, because that's where the self awareness is going to come. I love it. Thank you, Kyle, for coming on and and bestowing our listeners your the work that you've been working on for years now. And and I hope somebody out there listening realizes that they're. You know, if, if they're stuck in anger or rage or those are the first two emotions that they find or they get into a lot of, you know, shame or fear or guilt, these kinds of things, they're all part of the human experience, whether you're a man or a woman. But men specifically kept, can, tend to keep those things bottled up. We feel like, to Kyle's word earlier, as islands, right? We feel like we can't let them go because if we do, we're going to be weak. And that's bullshit, guys. I mean, I thought the same thing until I finally let go of all that and started to talk to somebody like Kyle. And the next thing you know, I started opening up and becoming much more self-aware. And when I did everything changed. The 10,000 pounds of boulders on my shoulder are gone. I now feel free and lighter than ever. And, you know, a lot of that was through this work. A lot of it was bringing Jesus Christ to the center of my life. All of that helped in this journey. So if you're out there and this is something that really hits you, reach out to Kyle, or at least start becoming more aware of the fact that you are not a sum total of all of your patterns, that you're stuck there, that it's an unsolvable problem that you can never change because every single thing you do now can be changed. Every single thing you do now is a pattern or you call them habits or whatever. Every single one of those can be reset in a very more empowering way and not have to be stuck with the old, oh, I, I'm always going to be a smoker. I'm always going to be a drinker. I'm always going to be this. I'm always going to be addicted to porn. I'm always going to be a, something like that is all bullshit. Every single one of those things is a, cho is a choice and you're choosing to do them. Now let's interrupt that pattern that gets you there 
interrupt that pattern and next thing you know you can replace it with a better pattern that's empowering and those things will be in your past and you can become the better man the better husband the better father the better the better citizen that you can possibly be so guys if this hits you reach out to kyle and as always thank you for listening we'll chat next week